Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing Watson X Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM, let's create. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. What's up? Welcome back. Good Calls with Dean Blandino. Another episode. As always, Travis Hansen is with me. What's up, Dean? How you doing, man? Okay. It's always awkward when you do that and then on audio <laughs> joe madrid audio ever improving audio guy joe madrid i'm scared to talk now because i don't want to be awkward <laughs> so let's get into it real quick unthinkable unimaginable barbaric brutal atrocious these were all words to describe what happened thursday night at the end of the brown steelers game where miles garrett hit mason rudolph over the head with with rudolph's helmet that he had just ripped off of his head and and look this is this was not something that we see very often it was obviously above and beyond the normal even the normal football fight and and I feel like the league acted swiftly and and did the right thing and they suspended Garrett for the remainder of the regular season and any postseason if the Browns take part in it and uh, the Garrett will have to meet with the commissioner to get reinstated. Now the NFLPA will will I'm sure have something to say about that. There will be an appeal and we'll see how this plays out. As the process, you know, what happens with that process and I was texting with Troy Vincent, the EVP of football operations at the NFL after it happened and uh and you know and he you know he told me he's like listen, you know me personally, I have very little tolerance for these types of actions. Now what Troy and his group did, which includes John Runyon, former player with the Eagles, who's in charge of player compliance, they got together and they decided on the suspensions. They did that on Friday, and they do the suspensions first because that impacts the roster, right? Teams have to make adjustments, maybe bring somebody up from the practice squad, maybe sign someone. So they made that. So so your suspensions, you know, obviously the the, the Garrett suspension is, is the longest one, and then you've got Marquise Pouncey, who uh, got three games, and then Larry Ogunjobi, who got a game, right? Who didn't get a, a suspension was Mason Rudolph. A lot of people felt he was involved 
and and you know Travis was one of those. He was one of those Mason Rudolph. He started. He he, he thinks some. he should have been suspended, but obviously the league felt otherwise. But there will be a lot of fines. Now they got the suspensions out of the way. Now this week they're going to look at the tape and they're going to find players. They're going to find players for getting involved in the fight. They're going to find players for running off the bench to get involved, and and this will be a big big number. The thing I want to you know just kind of talk about a little bit is. You know, it did, though, that reaction did feel, it felt a little over the top. Not condoning what, what Garrett did, but it felt like there was this rush to judgment. And I had a good conversation with Howie Long and Kyle Long in the studio on Sunday. And they both felt that, look, it's, and Kyle especially, I mean, Howie played during a different era, but Kyle especially said, you know, it's really hard when, when, and I agree when you're asking these guys to play a violent game and be physical and be aggressive and be violent, it's really hard to turn it off. And there's that invisible line somewhere where we're asking these guys to be physical and aggressive and violent. And I think, and they were being honest and Kyle was being honest and saying, it's tough. It's tough to turn it off. And, uh, and I think I'm just surprised that people were surprised, you know, honestly. And I think that, that when you have a physical game and you look at, I thought Arian Foster, the former running back, um, in the league, I thought he had a couple of good good comments and a good take on it. That hey, look this this is not something we want to see in the game, but you know we see it in other sports. In hockey, they fight, they hit each other with sticks at times. That's accepted. It's 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 a penalty, but it's accepted. In baseball, they throw they throw at the batter. That's dangerous as well. And uh, and it's it's not it's not condoned, but it's kind of accepted as just part of what what happens outside the lines necessarily. And I think we're going to see. You know, we 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 got Howie and, and Kyle saying it's really tough, and there's that invisible line. We're going to hear from a guy that played in the NFL, a very physical position, Jim Finn, who was a fullback, who who kind of has a little bit of a different take. And uh, and I think you know, just kind of in preparing to talk to Jim and getting his initial thoughts. I think you're going to hear from Jim on and, and how in terms of respect to the game and, and where he feels that the heat of the moment um, is not a, is not an excuse for, for what happened. So we'll get into that in uh, in a little bit here. All right. Now we're going to, we're going to bring in our special guest this week. And this is a guy that played in the NFL and definitely want to get his take. I think he'll have a, a really unique perspective on, on what happened and, and what playing in the NFL is about and how physical it is. Um, this is a guy that played a position that that we don't see this position, at least the traditional sense, very off, very often now anymore, the fullback position. And a guy that, that came up with the Bears, played for the Colts, and actually won a Super Bowl with the Giants, Jim Finn. Jim, how you doing? All right, guys. How are you? Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We we were just talking about the whole Miles Garrett thing and and you know, it just felt like obviously it happened and and it was something that you don't see very often, but the reaction, you know, at least me, I kind of felt that some the, the reaction was somewhat overboard and that so many people were 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 in shock and horrified that this happened. I'm curious as to like what your take on it is. You know, had you seen something like that before in your experience, whether it was in practice or or whenever, and like when you saw it, like what what were you thinking? Well, first of all, there's no place for that in the game. Um, I my opinion is I, I would have him sit for 16 games, a full season. Um, you know, he literally had. I would say two or three seconds when he had, when he ripped the helmet off and he was chasing after him, there's a guy in between trying to break that, break the fight up. 
So when people talk about the reaction, you know, it was just the heat in the moment. When you rip someone's helmet off, three seconds later, there has to be a period of time where in your mind you're saying, uh, I can't swing and knock this guy in the head <laughs> without a helmet on. Mm -hmm. um, it's assault. It's straight up assault. Um, you know, I one time we were uh, scrimmaging the Jets during training camp and we had uh, we were doing a nine on seven drill. And, you know, we had a huge brawl, but I mean, I've never seen, uh, you know, firsthand guy. I mean, there's been players that had helmets ripped off, but using it as a weapon to literally swing and hit a guy in the face or the head. I mean, that's just insane. Um, it's an embarrassment to the organization and for the player. Um, I would, if I was the league, I would have him in therapy for a certain amount of sessions before he even can be considered to come back onto the field. So you don't, you don't buy the whole heat of the moment thing, just a reaction. You think he had enough time in that, in that moment to kind of ca gather himself and say, Hey, wait a minute. I can't, I can't do this. Absolutely. And they, you know, that was the whole point I was saying, like, okay, I get it in the heat of the moment, you know, uh, he was wrestling around with Rudolph and Rudolph, you know, seemed to twist his helmet a little, which that's the only justification where I could say, all right, there was the heat of the moment where he overreacted and responded to that, right? His head, his helmet was getting twisted off a little. It didn't end up being pulled off the entire way. So he essentially did that in response to what, you know, he was, what was taking place with Rudolph. But from that point forward, there was clearly enough time to realize this isn't something you need to be doing. Yeah. And, you know, whether he likes it or not, he's somewhat of a leader on that team, at least on defense, being a first overall pick. Um, there's a lot that goes along with that, a lot of responsibility, right? Um, so those you, you would hope those things factor into being able to be composed in a moment like that. Um, you know, I think the, the immediate reaction was just ripping the helmet off. From that point forward, there's no excuse for what he did. Sure. You know, I was talking to I was talking to Howie Long and and Kyle Long about it in, in the studio and and they both I mean, obviously, Howie played during a different era. And we know you watch mm -hmm. those tapes and that was just it was just we accepted more at that time. And, and you see those old videos. But but Kyle, who's obviously played, you know, recently in and, and he said it was hard for him. It was hard to turn it off. You know, you're asked it's it's a violent game, especially you know, in the offensive and defensive line. And he said it was hard to play aggressive and to play violent and then just turn it off. And that was something that, you know, he really worked on and, and really, you know, talked to his coaches about what, in your experience, you know, how hard is it? How you played a physical position fullback, you're in the trenches too. How hard is it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I totally get that some players need to like really flip a switch. Um, I guess from my perspective, I was a player that, you know, I felt like I was prepared. I was able to do my job and not have to, like, turn a switch on to a different person. You know, I, obviously, I'm not, uh, you know, being physical and uh, when, when I'm outside the lines. But, like, being aware and having a clear mind, I don't think I've ever been in a position where within a three-second period I could realize, at least on the field, where, you know – 
you're about to do something really, really stupid. And you just, just saying, you know, having the, the, the excuse of, well, I just flipped the switch when I'm playing the game. That to me, from what the type of person and player that I was, even being physical every play, I was able to have the awareness and, you know, at least within a three second period to, yeah. to know what really is not okay. And that just for me doesn't work. Um, but I understand there are guys that are real passionate and, you know, they, they, they pull a lot of intensity and, and focus from, you know, the mental aspect of like flip the switch. I'm a different person yeah. and you got to be a savage out on the field. Um, but I would like to think that I was kind of a calm, cool, collected type player. Um, always understanding first and foremost, uh, you know, with my responsibility to the organization on the field as I'm representing them, representing myself. And I guess to some degree, it, it's how you um, view the game, the respect you have for the game. And for me, you know, I was an old school type player. So I would never want to do things that, you know, would reflect negative. And even with the showboating and the celebrations and all that stuff, that just wasn't part of the player I was yeah. and what I took what what I took pride in, you know. So with that said, I feel like I always try to, you know, maintain the right right amount of sportsmanship uh, with, you know, a lot of responsibility that comes with playing in the NFL. Sure. And and so for you, you know, you you last played in 2007. You know, how have you how do you view like where the league is today and how the game has changed since you since you left the field? You know, where do you think the game is now? Do you think it's in a better place, you know, as it relates to player safety or rules and in, in terms of just what you've been seeing the last couple of years? Yeah, well, listen, you know, a lot of attention has been brought uh with the whole concussion deal. And firsthand, I've seen and heard many stories of former players and what they're dealing with in their lives after. Um, so the culture had to change. And um, players are getting faster and stronger every year. The equipment was obviously getting better and better. Um, like for me, when I strapped on my helmet, I literally felt invincible with a helmet on. And I felt... Like I can run full speed into anything and be fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes I'm, I look back and I tell myself, like, how could I have not been like really conscious of what it was doing to my brain? But having that helmet on provided me with this mentality that I was safe. And so um, as the game has evolved from the leather helmets, and, you know, one bar face masks, it's, you know, the game changed to more of a using the helmet as like, you know, a weapon, like full on leading with the helmet. People were playing real physical and I love what's been taking place over the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years. It's, it's basically a reverse evolution. Like you got to evolve slowly back to a safer way to tackle. And I think, you know, you're seeing a huge difference in it. I know guys, you know, especially defenders, it puts them in a really difficult position because yeah. the game is fast and there are uh, split second decisions that have to be made and guys, their jobs are on the line. 
I can't even imagine being a safety or, you know, a linebacker where you have to hold up um, out of fear of, you know, having a player or, or, you know, even fines guys are, you know, there's, there's guys that are making rookie minimum wage salaries for the league that, you know, are getting fined and it's almost like a game check. I know they have the rules where it needs to be 25% yeah. or whatever, but that's serious money. And when you have that dilemma and the, the flip side of that is you may end up on the bench or get taken out of a, a certain package on defense, you could lose your job. Um, and with the speed of the game, that's a really, really tough situation to be in. Um, thank God for me offensively that, you know, that wasn't something I had to be concerned with, but, um, overall, I think it's better for the league. Uh, we won't really be able to see how the effects of that, um, the change for at least another 15 to 20 years when these players are mid forties and fifties, you know, to really see how the, you know, the fewer hits during training camp, uh, and, the, the less hits to the head, you know, especially on big hits, um, how that, you know, change is really going to affect guys long term. Um, I think it needs to, I need, I think they need to continue with uh, the focus being on that. Um, and I, you know, certainly the league will because of the liability issues. Um, but I think it's a good thing. And I think it's only going to get better. Players, you know, from a younger age now are being taught how to tackle the right way um, or a safer way. And it's that's just a natural evolution that is only going to improve as time goes by. Yeah. And I think you make a lot of good points. And this is this is a sea change. This is not a short term thing. This is a long term thing for the future of the game. And I, I remember talking to Mike Tomlin. And and he, you know, a lot of times we would meet with the with representatives from the NFLPA and talk about rules changes. And a lot of these guys would go, how, especially on the defensive side of the ball, how am I supposed to make that play, you know, without sticking my head in there? And Tomlin, you know, he finally and this is a guy that coached the Steelers, you know, during a time when you had guys like James Harrison and Ryan Clark, a lot of these guys that were big, big hitters. And he said, you know what, sometimes you just can't make that play. And, and, and that, like you said, is such a dilemma for a player because now I got to worry about the penalty. I got to worry about now I'm letting that, you know, letting that receiver catch that football where before I could really blow him up. And, uh, but I think the short term, you know, that, that short term maybe angst is it pales in comparison to the long term health of the game. And I think that's, I think that's where we're, we're headed. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you understand that for a given player, um, that may at some, some, uh, period, uh, impact his career. If it's some crazy play where he ends up getting released or cut or, you know, removed off of a starting lineup, but the long-term safety of the league and their players is key. And guys don't necessarily realize that, you know, we all know when you're in your twenties and you're playing, no one's really concerned about what's going to go on later in their lives. But, I think they're starting to understand that and see with everything that's gone on. And, you know, yeah, it, 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 it stinks sometimes when you got when you're the one that's, you know, in that dilemma, but it's just part of, part of what needs to happen, you know, and for the, for, for the safety of football. I mean, yeah. if, if the NFL didn't change what, 
what was going on, you know, who knows whether there would have been a league in 30, 40, 50 years or what type of success it would have had, you know? Um, so I think they did what they needed to do. And, uh, you know, the players are just going to have to slowly, uh, you know, adapt to it. I know it's difficult. Um, like we talked about the speed of the game is so much faster and it's only getting going to get faster, but that comes once you're starting in the peewee football levels and on through high school, college, and the pros, they they should be able to adapt. I mean, you know, like think about college now. You know, you get a you get a, a launch penalty and you're yeah, targeting. You're, sure, you're kicked out. You're kicked out of the game, right? Yep. So, uh, I understand that that shouldn't. I don't think that should be uh, applied in the NFL. But um, guys, when they're being taught that regularly constantly throughout their entire football careers before they get into the league um they're only going to be better at handling those like split second decisions or you know just understanding the right way to avoid it yeah absolutely so we uh we wanted to joe was looking up a little bit of your career stats and and we have a couple questions for you but actually your college career was no joke at, at, at Penn. And mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have the, the fourth highest total rushing yards in school history. Um, you, you pl- actually played, you played on the defensive side of the ball for a couple of games. You played safety. So you played both ways. Um, obviously you were drafted, you were drafted by the bears and then went into the more of a traditional fullback. So you didn't have, you didn't have a ton of opportunities to carry the ball, but Joe, why don't you, why don't you tell Jim what you found out about his, his rushing stats? So we found uh, eleven carries for thirty yards, <laughs> but 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 in two thousand and six, but, wait, there was but a, I went on Wikipedia. Oh, Time okay. out. I yeah. went on Wikipedia, and it says you had you had six rushes for forty four yards with the Colts. So are you on Wikipedia padding you, your stats? <laughs> is it? Is it? Which one is it? Forty four or thirty? Which one? I, I so what was the it was the, the what was the thirty? How many carries for thirty? Yeah, I had a, I found it on ESPN. Uh, 11 for 11 carries for 30 yards. Dean went on Wikipedia. Uh, it said 44 yards and six car in six rushes in three years with the Colts, which so, is pretty pro football reference has 11 yeah. for 30 as well. Jeez. I don't even remember how many carries I had with the Colts. Well, you were more, but you actually were, were actually more of a receiving out of the backfield. You actually caught yeah. 60 passes uh, for, for says 423 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. I mean, you know, in Indianapolis, uh, we had Edger and James, so giving me the He's ball good. Was, he was, okay. uh, was, not, yeah. was not the priority. Edge <laughs> okay. um, got more and, carries than you in Indy? The nerve. Peyton likes to spread it around. But the, Finn, the question is, are you padding your stats on Wikipedia? You come uh, clean no, right I, now, man. I, Now's I, the time. I have not, I have not edited anything. <laughs> right. I, I did not claim to be a running back. I mean, when I was in college, uh, I actually was a, came in as a running back. Um, I wanted to get on the field as a sophomore. We had a senior running back, so I asked to switch to safety. And then the junior, my junior year, our, uh, our running back wasn't doing so well. I was the short yardage and uh, goal line running back, and I basically had popped off, you know, like a bunch of long runs in that role while I was still playing on defense. And then, you know, we were we were struggling on offense, couldn't get anything rolling. And then I, I basically begged the head coach to uh, switch me over or at least let me 
play both sides. And there was one game I actually played both sides. And then after that, I was strictly running back. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had I had no intentions of running the ball in the NFL because <laughs> I was I was not fast enough to avoid all those hits. And uh, <laughs> I definitely didn't mind being a fullback. Uh, it was much, much more of a preferred role than trying to carry the ball. But actually another another two trivia like cool things about Jim Finn. You were Mr. Irrelevant in mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety nine. Is there like do you guys all like get together? Is there like a Mr. Irrelevant house, like the Heisman house where you guys all no. like hang out and talk about your, your relevancy? Was that Unfor- <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately not. Um you know they, they have it every year. Um I was actually the twenty fourth, I believe. And so, uh, you know, I'm out in California, so I, I attend those dinners. They have a bank. It's a week long celebration, but uh-huh. um, one night is a big banquet. So I was at the 24th and the next year they had the 25th. They brought as many uh, players back as they could. Um, and then I've been a few other random years, you know, just when I get invited and when it yeah. works out my schedule. But there's a lot of guys that, you know, are there from the league. Um, whether they're not just the Mr. Relevance, um, you know, Jim Moore, my coach was there one year. Uh, you know, there's tons of guys from the league, all, uh, West coast guys, mostly. Well, I've got, I don't know. I mean, I got to do a little research, but I would imagine you're one of the more successful Mr. Relevance. You played, you know, you had a pretty good career for, for being the last pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah, I like to, I like to believe I, uh, I I I carried the name well for uh, the irrelevant guys. <laughs> I, I you got Ryan Suckup though; he's been been around for a yeah, while. That's true. He was actually the twenty fifth, I believe. Um, so he's been around. He's been doing his thing. Um, Marty Moore was a linebacker, special team guy for yeah. the Patriots. Um, those are the the two that jump out most for me. And, and um, the other one, Joe found this is, and I don't even know if you know the answer to this, but Joe found this one. You are one of you are one of two NFL players to catch passes from both Peyton and Eli Manning. Yeah, yeah, I I do know that. You know who the and, other guy was? Uh, Brandon Stokely. Nice. Ding ding ding. <laughs> who who threw the better ball? Uh, Peyton. I would say Peyton. Peyton. All right. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the obvious pick. He did. I mean, it was a, it wasn't bad. It was there wasn't a huge difference in the, the ball. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I guess I would have to go with Peyton. That's awesome. But hey, Jim, I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, and best of luck with everything that you're doing, and uh, and come join us again sometime. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, bro. All right, take care, guys. All right. Thanks again to Jim for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a weekly subject on this podcast, pass interference review in the NFL, next on Good Calls. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. 
Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, we're back here on Good Calls. Let's get into it. Pass interference feels like it's a weekly topic. There's weekly controversy. It's a subjective call. So on Sunday, it was it was the Texans-Baltimore game. Notice I didn't say Houston. It was the <laughs> Texans-Ravens game. First quarter, look, the game ended up 41-7. So, but it's early enough to say, you know, what if? Would this have been, been a turning point? First quarter, DeAndre Hopkins' fourth quarter play looked like interference. It, it, it looked like the contact was early. Marlon Humphrey contacted him. The Texans challenge ruling on the field stands. And uh, and it had a lot of people talking. You know, why, why, how is this not clear and obvious pass interference? You know, CB, it was a CBS game. Gene Steratore, the rules analyst on CBS, thought it was pass interference. We thought it was pass interference. And uh, and the ruling on the field stood. And then And then later... In the afternoon, Arizona-San Francisco, early in the game, Richard Sherman on Christian Kirk, no call on the field. The Cardinals challenge, and the the foul is added in replay. And I think a lot of people are questioning, you know, where is the consistency in the two decisions? They're both pass interference, right? I mean, they're, they're both – Sherman was clearly early. Mm-hmm. Humphrey was clearly early. and uh, But one results in a foul, one doesn't. And, and, and you know – Tony Dungy, who's been who's been very outspoken about this rule, tweeted again. Travis, what did what did Coach Dungy have to say? He said NFL office just overturned a non-pass interference call on Richard Sherman. After all the calls they've let stand today, how can this one get reversed? I know I'm on a soapbox, but this is not fair to anyone. Yeah, well, it, fair to the Cards is what you fair, said. I said it is. It's fair <laughs> to the Cardinals. They'll take it. it. It's tough because again, you and look, this is a very very difficult 
call to make on the field. And it's a tough call to then legislate and replay. And and that's why, again, and I'm on a soapbox every time I say it, that, that I don't feel like these calls should be subject to replay review. Because it's tough. You 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 overturn one and then a, a similar type play you don't overturn. And it's like the league has now put itself in a box. But to me, the bigger picture issue is that we're, we're seeing calls that are not made on the field. And, and we talked a little bit about this last week. Is this is this starting to sink into the the psyche of the on-field official? Because you think about that, okay, that's a no-call, what we would call a no-call in Houston, uh, Baltimore, right? No flag thrown, doesn't doesn't get added in replay. Everybody thinks it's past interference. What is the what is the communication to that official? You know, next time it happens, don't throw your flag. Because it's obviously pass interference, and we're not getting these calls on the field, so it's affecting the on-field officials' performance, and that's where that's a problem. That's a problem because it all starts. Rules are written for officials to make decisions in real time on the field, not to make replay decisions, and uh, and I think that's part of the issue here. And a lot of people, a lot of people are, are are upset about it, and and it's just a tough, tough play to officiate in replay when when again the rules written to do it on the field in real time. I was pretty shocked with the Richard Sherman one because it was clearly a pass interference. He had his arm on his back, raking down his back, pulling his jersey, and like pulled him down, and then the ball hit him and hit uh, Christian Kirk in the head, and and at the same time he was pulling on his back, he had his left arm held back. Too. You were so surprised that it wasn't called on the field I was surprised it wasn't called. Right? Like, how does it not get called? That, that, that's my thing. It's, it's how is that not called on, on the field initially when you have, again... Every receiver, every eligible receiver has has an official that's watching that receiver, you know, at the snap initial. That's an initial key. Then they go to a zone concept. Then they go to the football. That ball is in the air. It's a deep pass. It was a 40 something yard pass. There should be multiple sets of eyes on that action. And we're not getting that call on the field. And, And I think that everybody wants to complain about replay, but forget about replay. It starts on the field. And uh, and that's where the you know we have to make sure that the officials are are understanding what is and what isn't past interference and and working on how to improve in that area and that's and that's the biggest thing. You look at you know a couple of other calls that were that were either um, made or or picked up. You had another one in that in that Cardinal Forty Nine er game on Joe Walker that looked like he was in good position. He had his he he had his playing the football, he had his head turned around and the receiver actually played through his back and he got called Walker got called for defensive pass interference. And then in the Jets game, the Jets Washington game, Demarius Thomas got called for offensive pass interference when it was clear that the the defender initiated the contact with Thomas. Now the Jets challenged that and it was properly overturned, but again, we got to get it right on the field initially and I worry about that you know, this whole replay thing affecting the on-field officials' performance. Um, going into the week, 65 reviews for pass interference, only 10 overturns. Um, through So far through week 11, we've had, we've had two additional overturns, and, uh, and we'll see how, uh, how the rest of the season plays out. But this is going to be a topic, and what I worry about, honestly— I worry about the, the 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 standard during the regular season changing during the the postseason because the games obviously all games matter right but in the postseason it's win or go home and I worry that the the bar is going to get lowered in the postseason 
in terms of creating fouls and replay because of the magnitude of the games. Mm-hmm. And that's where you play under a certain set of parameters throughout the regular season and then it changes in the postseason and, and that's that's inconsistent. That's just my concern. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I do I do think about it. It doesn't keep me up at night. What keeps me up at night is when Joe texts me about his Tesla getting a download and sending him an email that it's faster than it was the night before. That keeps me up at night because he texts me at midnight to tell me that. But anyway, um, onside kick. <laughs> Let's go to the onside kick. We had a a surprise. We had a, a successful onside kick, but it was a surprise onside kick. It was Jason Sanders um, from Miami in the Buffalo-Miami game. They obviously saw something on tape, and and they recovered. And Sanders was the one that actually recovered the kick himself. And and as as our our former colleague at Fox Sports, who's now with ESPN, Pat McAfee, he said that that was to to recover an onside kick is point zero one percent of the population can do that, and the athletic feat that it that it was. It takes a very special athlete to do that. But surprise surprise onside kicks are looked at differently than expected onside kicks. The league looks at the expected onside kick and they look at that accuracy percentage. And if you're talking about expected onside kicks, we're one for 29 so far um, through week 11. Um, I think I said week 10 earlier, but through week 11, 3.5%. Again, onside kick, I had a good conversation with with one of my former colleagues at the NFL. And, and his take was that even though the onside kick is not, successful to the extent that it was in previous years just just the idea that the onside kick is still available and it's still a potential um the success is still the potential still there that 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 is enough to to keep it in the game and to keep games you know that just the the fear or or the 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 actual um what am I trying to say, Travis? Help me. The excitement of it. Just the excitement. It just that's that's enough right now. The league is not necessarily going to look to make any change. Um, small sample size, eleven weeks. We'll continue to monitor that. But you need some way for teams without a, without timeouts to come back. Um, you asked the question, Travis, about just as we're talking about replay review, the the process, the communication process, and how it works, and what is the kind of the What's the what are the steps in the process um, in the NFL and both the NCAA and and I think it's interesting in the NFL so you have a review is initiated one of two ways it's either a replay official you have a replay official at every stadium in a replay booth in the press box that replay official is responsible for initiating a review when when they are responsible for for that that time frame during the game. So it's either, you know, a scoring play, a turnover, or inside two minutes. And so the replay official initiates the review. A coach can also challenge a review when the coach is allowed to challenge. And then there's a conversation. Then the people in New York, someone can put on a headset and communicate with that replay official, and they'll start to line up shots. They'll start to look at, okay, the ruling on the field was a catch. Let's look. What's the issue? The issue is going to be the second foot at the sideline. Let's look for the best angle. So they're having that conversation, setting up angles. Now the referee comes over. The referee, there's there's a, a tablet, little device monitor that the referee can look at. The referee and the and the the designated person in New York, whether it's Al Riveron or Russell Yerk or any of the other designated people, will now have a conversation with the referee. 
and they'll communicate on the play, just like you and I, Travis, or you and I, Joe, would talk about a play and say, okay, let's take a look. He's got control. Look at the left foot. It's inbounds. Now let's take a look at the right foot. Is it out? Let's look for a better angle. Yes, it's in, or yes, it's out, and then they go through the administration. The ruling on the failed stance, we don't need to do anything. We charge if it's a challenge. We charge the team a timeout. The ball is where it is, and we go, and we move on. If it's overturned, then we got to go through the process of, okay, it was second and 10 from the 40. Now it was a catch. Now it's going to be first and 10 from the 30, um, whatever it is. We got to worry about the clock. Is it going to be, a, or do we have a runoff situation? Do we got to reset it? Are we going to start on the snap or the ready for play? So there's a 60 second window to make a decision, but it's a longer process because you have all of the setup pre review, you have the post review administration. So that's how it works in, in the NFL. Um, in college, a little bit different where the replay official is responsible for stopping the game throughout. The coaches do have one challenge if the replay official decides not to stop it. And uh, and most college conferences, the big college conferences, you talk about Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, and SEC, they all go back to a command center. And there's a communication between the replay official at the stadium and people in the command center um, in a central location. They make a decision. It's a collaboration. They make a decision together. The Big Ten is the one of the of the Power Five conferences that doesn't go back to a command center. It's the replay official and the replay official only um, who's making that decision. And, uh, and so that's how it works in college. Same thing. There's no time limit in college. Right. And that's a, that's a, we've talked about it taking too long. It takes, well, it's it, in college. The NFL does a good job. They don't, they don't write down on cards anymore. They just use the wireless communication. I feel like college, we need to go to that. Um, there's no time limit. So you have to have as a replay official, you have to have an internal clock to know that. And what we tell college replay officials is if you get to the two minute mark, that's it. End it. Because you don't have enough. If you're still worrying about, you know, whether you, you have a right angle with two minutes, um, you don't have enough to overturn it. Let it stand. Unless it's the game-ending play in overtime and it's the national championship, obviously take as long as you need to take. But for the most part, two minutes, let's end it. We can't be sitting there for three, four, five minutes and killing the flow of the game. But uh, but that's something that you know I'm sure will be discussed going forward. Should college have a time limit like the NFL does? But uh, as long as they, on average, they're about 120, 121 in terms of stoppages, which is significantly less than the NFL, which is well over you know two minutes per review. And so we'll see. But that's the process, Travis. You thinking about going into replay, Travis? You think you got it? You got the the judgment? Joe, I know Joe thinks Joe. If Joe was six inches taller, he'd be a replay official. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think Joe could do it, and I, I think we could all do it. Like we spend a lot of time watching this stuff, and I think we put in our ten thousand hours where we consider ourselves the, uh, oh, the so experts just, of this. You think you could just but, step in? I mean, I would definitely have no, to go. Through are you interview quoting interview uh, process. outliers? Is I am. Wow, I am. Wow, very a impressed. Little, little Gladwell, nice work. Welcome, Gladwell. Yeah, good work. You got to rap about that. Maybe another you, time. I don't know if you have the arms for it. You know, these guys wear these tight jerseys now. That's on the field, though. That's the schmedium. You have a lot of officials. That's the new. It's in vogue yeah. now. That's, no. So the yeah. other thing I was, I was uh, talking Travis about with you was the, the subject was the, was the communicator who Keeping the guy us back on track. The guy, yes. the guy sitting next to the replay official who's actually looking at the. There's a communicator in there too. So he's then communicating to the broadcast 
truck and then yeah there's there's communication between especially on college because you 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 have the replay official at stopping the game sometimes it's not you don't know maybe they're looking for a targeting that wasn't called and so that communicator has to call the tv truck and let them know hey you know we had a play in the studio on saturday that that we were trying to figure out what they they stopped the game it wasn't obvious it was just a clear incomplete pass they stopped the game we didn't know so we're looking through the the communicator should call the tv truck and say hey we're looking to see if we have targeting on the the it was i think it was the back who was going out into the flat and you know give us the number tell us what you're looking for and then in the truck the producer can find the right angle and put those on the air so so the replay official can look at it so that communication is really important and uh, and it's initiated by the replay booth so they can tell the tv truck what they're actually reviewing and then the tv truck and the producer can pick the right angles that's great insight that's what you get here on good calls now we can talk about my my pipe cleaner arms again from working in an office for the last 15 years travis gets travis the the we'll talk about the office pool after the break but let's (laughs) let's take a break when we come back we'll we'll take a shot at the cfb ranking cfp rankings and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about Dean had a night off over the weekend. Ooh. Next on Good Call. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM, let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, we're back on Good Calls. 
Let's talk a little college football playoff. We are still, no one can get this right, but I feel like I feel like we're going to get it right. One of us is going to get it right this week. Um, top four teams. Joe, go. Why do I always got to go first? You got to go first because I'm the because I'm the winner. Yeah, you're the winner, All right? Okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the same four. I don't see much movement. Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Georgia. Okay, you're okay. You're dumb. Go ahead, Travis. I got Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Georgia. You're dumb. Oh, too. you're dumb too. You're dumb. Yeah. Too. Well, okay. Let's see what you got. What's the smart guy got? LSU, LSU jumping. No, LSU is the number one team in the country. Okay, LSU was number one in the CFP rankings last week. They won again. Okay, Ohio State beat Rutgers. So you're saying Ohio State's win over Rutgers Just give us, you know, was more need- impressive? LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. That's your four right now. Okay? okay, it will change, but that's your four. Who picked the game of the week? Who picked the the the, the win of the week? Mm-hmm. Which one? Which Who? one are you talking about? It's probably you Who? since you're bringing it well, up. Well, obviously. It's, yeah. Who? Iowa? Iowa beating oh, yeah, Minnesota yeah. You, because I was setting up the— They were a three-point favorite. That's not going up, out on I'm a limb. Setting, Minnesota was 9-0, okay? I don't care. Setting up the Wisconsin-Minnesota play the game of the year for the Big Ten West Thanksgiving weekend. All right, let's— uh, So, Travis, please share with us how— Wait, did you give your four? I just did. You did, yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry. The four that just you don't even have to watch Tuesday. Those are the four. So Saturday, Pereira was back in the studio after who knows how long. And he, he felt bad, so he I worked the early games and Mike had the rest of the schedule. And you guys were there late, right? The last game was was USC Cal. Started at eight PM Pacific. Yeah, we were there till twelve thirty. How was it without without me? It was there? quiet. It, there was less Tesla talk, actually none. And then you know there wasn't any Joe talk about. But we were clearly. What? I was clearly missed. I don't know about yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah. No, you guys were missed. Definitely, Dean. You kind of drive the 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 conversation on on Saturday nights for the most part. I mean, we had sushi with with. Uh, with Mike, which is always nice. We have we have other things we do when you're there. We do contests and like not yeah. contests, but like um, when Mike's there, you sit there and do nothing. And we do nothing. We focus more on the games. Yeah, when I'm there, it's more fun. Yeah, it's it's and more make, fun, but it's it's fun. Like with Brady, Mike too. Brady Quinn, Brady could not have been texting me more. Like prayer is no fun. Come back. We <laughs> he miss came you. in a couple times asking business type questions we miss about you, football. Like, Oh God! Anyway, all right. Um, well, don't you have some stories about Mike, or you don't get, want to talk about? Not those? on the air. No, <laughs> I do want to. I, I actually do want to. I'm going to get serious for a second, or serious as as, as I can get. I do. I had a couple of things happen um, last week, and and I had an epiphany. And Joe, if you don't know what epiphany means, just Google it. Oh, yeah, thank so, you. I'll bing it. I, I did two things. I'm the first person. I feel like. We, we constantly, we make fun of each other and I think that's great, but I feel like sometimes in, in, in society, especially on social media, we're just waiting for people to screw up. We're just waiting and we want to jump on it. And I'm no different in terms of seeing, you know, being, being around people and be like, oh, this guy and that guy. But I did two things last week and it made me realize that I need to stop making fun of people because I did things that if somebody else did and I was witness to, oh my God. <laughs> So wait I, a second, you're not perfect. Oh no, I'm I'm far from Dean perfect. Dean makes mistakes. I'm far guys. from perfect, but these I usually don't make these types of mistakes, and my mistakes are usually much bigger <laughs> in my personal life. But anyway, um, so I was on getting on a plane, and my seat 
I was in 9A. That was my seat. And I went to my seat and I sat down and I was all comfy and ready to go to bed and, and get some, get a nap in. And this lady comes up and she, you know, that whole like, oh, you know, and she was very sweet about it. And because some people come up like, you're in my seat. And she's like, oh, do you, what seat do you have? And I'm like, 9A. And she's like, oh, this is 7A. I was two <laughs> rows off. Okay. What was on your mind when you two were in that off. plane? I'll give you one row. <laughs> But two rows off, I don't know, I saw nine. And then, so she was very sweet, and she's like, oh, don't worry, they're both windows, and you, I'll sit in nine. I was like, okay, cool. And the guy, I could see him like, whoa. And, and he was upset because the she was kind of small, and me, so he was going to sit next to somebody who was small and have more room, where he's sitting next to me, and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, if I was that guy too, I'd be like, now I got to deal with this. The rest of the flag, I deal with this energy. Obviously, like he didn't know right, who you were. Right next to me. Clearly not. <laughs> but right next to me the whole time. And uh, and that was one. And then two, I was, I stayed, I was traveling last week and I stayed in, in a hotel and then went to another hotel. And I was in meetings and I was in Connecticut for meetings, XFL stuff. And I went to the meetings and then I went up to my room. My key didn't work. And I was like, ah, oh, stupid hotel. Key doesn't work. So I got to go all the way back down. I'm like inconvenienced. I'm, I'm annoyed. I got to go back down. I'm like, oh, my key doesn't work. I'm in I'm 805. Here's my ID. And the guy at the counter <laughs> looks at me and he, he like shows me the key. And he was super cool about it. He's like, this is the wrong. This isn't even the right hotel. Like it was my hotel room from the other hotel that I was staying at. So one was like a Hilton. This was like a Marriott. And he looked at me and I was like, you're an, I was like, you're an idiot to myself. I was like, if I would have been him. So then I realized like people make mistakes and I'm not going to, I, I decided on Friday, I wasn't going to make fun of people anymore. That's done. That's yeah. <laughs> he lost quickly. that last night. All weekend, I, was I got nervous because I, I I encouraged the making fun of each other. But I was, but I really do. All people make mistakes, and I'm I'm going to be more. I'm going to I'm going to be more tolerant. I'm going to have more tolerance towards the little things. And I was actually kind of down. Um, I don't know why I was just a little bit down. And Friday night, I watched uh, Love Actually. And it cheered me up so much. I love that movie. I love it. It's like the Hallmark. It's like a Hallmark movie with like really good actors and a big budget. I don't think we've talked about how much you love Hallmark movies. I love Hallmark movies. And Hallmark movies crush it during Christmas. But Love Actually, my only my only problem with Love Actually is I don't I'm not a I don't like Liam Neeson in that. He's like, it's like a romantic comedy role. And, and I just want, I keep waiting for somebody to like, or do like Love Actually too, where somebody gets kidnapped and Liam just <laughs> kicks ass. Like that's what I keep waiting for. And he's like being like a, he's being like a stepdad and the mom dies and he's being all cool to the kid and very emotional. And I'm like, I don't, this Liam Neeson is not the Liam Neeson that I want, but Love Actually, great movie. The other, uh, the other thing I want to talk about before we get into the brain of Blandino is Dan Lebetard. Can we talk about that? The radio show? Sure. I what, think what, so. What happened? I haven't seen it. But I haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't even but know. But apparently on the radio show, Dan Lebetard, you know, Dan, and, and I've not, I've actually never met him. And he has the um, highly questionable, right, on ESPN. And he has a radio show. And really, and I love listening. I, I like that show. I like listening to him. 
And apparently he and his wife were on vacation and they saw me doing an, on the air doing a game. And his <laughs> wife said, oh, that looks like a Dean Blandino. <laughs> What, what does, does that, that even mean? What does that mean, Travis? Explain I, that to me. I, I can't. I don't. I don't explain I don't, that to me. What does a Dean Blandino look like? Hmm? I guess he looks like you, but that's like, do I look like a Travis? Like it's yes, no one. No one's yes, ever going to absolutely you look, look like, like a Travis. No one's ever going to say you, you look like, like you look like a Don. Like I mean, like no, you, know, it's just, you look like a Travis. You look like a Travis. You and you're wearing like your Without flannel question. shirt. Yeah. You were telling me. You were telling me before we started recording about your family farm and how. The family farm's doing really well. Where's the family farm? Jobs? North Dakota. North Dakota. And they what do they produce on the family farm? All kinds of wheat, durum, oats, lentils. <laughs> He's getting more and more trash yeah. as we go on. Yeah. But but <laughs> so I look like a Dean Blandino, which is fine because I am Dean Blandino. I do want to have a shout out. I want to shout out to Nick Banyol's mom. Um, Nick Banyol is a, a Big Ten replay official. He's actually one of the youngest replay officials in the country. And uh, he sent me an email about a couple of uh, questions about the LSU Alabama play last week. And at the end of the email, and I'll read it, P.S., after years and years of telling my mom how good Ben and Jerry's is, she went out and bought Half-Baked for the first time last week in response to your podcast. I'm still not sure how to take this. So so we are changing We are changing lives wow. on this podcast. She wanted to hear it from someone credible. Someone credible. Obviously, her own son is not credible enough when it comes to Ben & Jerry's. I do have a pint of Ben & Jerry's in the freezer that I'll be eating after the podcast, but I'm very disappointed that my, my local Rite Aid where I get my, my Half-Baked was out of Half-Baked. So I had to get like the tonight dough, whatever. Tonight so, dough's good. It, yeah. What did you just say? It's good. It's good. Okay. You like the guy Dean in the commercials. Great. Like, it's okay. He's okay. Oh, it's good. <laughs> no, I want great. But anyway, um, actually, you know what? Let's do something fun. Let's, we've been talking about, my brother is a big football fan and he texts me throughout the day on Sunday. We get a lot of laughs. And a lot of laughs. And so he texted me about the the DeAndre Hopkins play. And he he said, did you see the DeAndre Hopkins play? And I said, no, it wasn't our game. You know, it was a CBS game, so I didn't see it live. And he's like, it's being challenged right now. And it, it stood. And so his response was, wow, 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 stands. And I, and I said, just saw it. That's pass interference. And he said, I wasn't asking your opinion. I know it's DPI. <laughs> I'm asking what drugs they're taking in New York in the command center. So this is who we're dealing with. Okay. This is who we're dealing with. So we want to do a segment, Shit My Brother Says. And so I just want to set it up. We're going to introduce my brother, talk to him for like five minutes, just so you get a sense. And then we'll every once in a while, we'll just talk about shit my brother says. I'm, okay. I am so excited to do this. Okay. Get my brother's name is David. We'll call him Joe. Let's get him on the Let's line. Let's do it. He lives in, my brother lives in Long Island in Massapequa. No, actually he's in Lindenhurst now. Lindenhurst, Long Island. So let's see if he's there. Hello. Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Nothing. I'm with Travis and Joe. They're on the podcast. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? What's going on? So we want to talk about, okay, NFL, give us your take on what's happening this, this season as a fan and then kind of just today, what was your take on what happened today? What, one word. God. Unwatchable. Why That's Why it. is it unwatchable? But you continue to watch, but go ahead. What's that? You continue to watch, but go ahead. I continue to watch because people, you know, you play fantasy football, this and that, but you, you can't watch this sport anymore. It's, it's just not, 
football. It's not. You, you, you can't not agree on that. Why is it not football? They get penalties for tackling too hard. I mean, I, I don't even want to get started. No, get every started. A, we want you to get started. Every every, every plays a flag. Every, everything they do is wrong. Player safety, player safety. Forget the player safety. It's a contact sport. Well, you know, they're being babied. The quarterbacks rule the whole field. You know, every play, the quarterback could just run the ball, and and the defensive players don't even know what to do. They can't. They have to. They're going to make a tackle. I got to stop. Well, what do I do? You know, I mean, this is just. It's unwatchable. Do you have one? One? What was this year? What was the most? What was the most upset with a call this year? Like that you you remember? Yeah, you. I read. I just read the, the Hopkins tweet about today. So forget yeah, every, that one. Every, but what was the most week, upset? Every week, every week, there's a call. The, the Golden Tate pass interference. What, why do they? Why do they allow you to to, to challenge a pass interference call when they're never going to change it? They're never going to change it. So what, what's the point? I don't know what what they're doing in New York. What they don't see that the whole world sees. So I, I don't know. Dave, I'm with I, you, I man. I'm with you on this. I hate that every. Rule. Everyone is with me. It's 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 I'm not asking for anyone's opinion. I mean, it, it's clear and de- clear as day. You know, you, you just watch the game and you're just waiting for the refs to screw something up. That That's what people watch. And what you they do realize what, what I did for 20 years. I worked for the NFL. And worked <laughs> yeah. In the and not, and not for nothing. Replay is what screwed this game up. <laughs> and I'm not saying who brought replay back into the NFL. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just saying, really, you know, wow. I, I've been saying it a thousand times to you. Guys like Ronnie Lott can't even play in the NFL today. You know, growing up, that that was one of my favorite players. I want to be like him. No kid wants to be a defensive player today. You can't play defense. You can't. Even even at the end of the Patriots game, the hit at the end of the game, you know, unnecessary roughness. What was unnecessary roughness? The guy made a hit. You know, that, that that's what people want to see. They want to see big hits. In hockey, you want to see big hits. In every sport, you want to see the collision at home plate. They take everything away because these players are being babied. They make millions of dollars to 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 what? To what? You All know. Right. All right. Well, no, we you've made it clear where you are, but we're gonna make sure we're gonna see. We want you to. We want to get your take on stuff every week. So we, this was just the intro. We're bringing you in. Uh, can I just ask uh, one question uh, yeah, real quick, yeah, yeah. Dave? With my, with my kids, yeah. I always say, "Hey, if you've got a problem, tell me the problem." But do you got a solution? What What do you think they should do? Let them play. Let let them play. Stop stop with these replays. Replays should only be used on 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 non judgment calls because you know this one says it's a touchdown. This one says it's a catch. This one says it's not. You know, just use replay on on you know use the foot out of bounds. How much time's left on the clock? Let the guys play. You know, and you know, I listen. You could call holding on every play. You can call pass interference on every play. No, I agree. Right? Yeah. So figure something out. Maybe maybe the the defensive line and, and the offensive linemen they should wear the gloves like the baseball players wear when when they're on base so they don't hurt their fingers. This way they can't <laughs> grab onto anything. You know. Oh, nice. What, what, That's actually not what, bad. What, what, what's the matter with that rule? You know what? They're, they're gonna the, the the offensive the defensive linemen make that many interceptions where they need their hands. You know, I mean, something has to be done. The pass interference. It's either you let them play or, or you call it on every down. But but this challenging is just it's it blows my mind because you can't you can't watch a game. This is like listening to to John Sterling on, on the Yankees on the radio. You don't know what what he's going to say. You don't know what the refs are going to do. So, I mean, 
I don't know. That's a very regional thing. John Sterling is a Yankee broadcaster. So for those of you that listen to yeah, his you, yes you network, can't, you, can't, you, you can't listen to him broadcast the game because he calls it this and it's that. You know, it's the, the refs call it this. Even today, the the, the, the touchdown on, on Cooper Cup, the 51-yard pass just before, you saw the, the, the goal line ref. He didn't know what to call. You know what I mean? And he looked at the other ref and you saw he was confused and he puts his arms up in the air. Why make a call? Call call time and figure it out. What why did because once they make that call, you know there's a ninety percent chance that can't be overturned. So why make the call? You know? The reps determine the whole game. Uh, that's why I, I told you the other week, you want a, a, new, a new revenue for the NFL, start selling the referees' jerseys. Because there's the one <laughs> They're the ones that determine the outcome of the game, no? This is like you realize that my life's work was in officiating <laughs> and it's all being this it's is, all being torn the down. The jerseys would have to be very small, Dave. It doesn't matter. No, not not Hockley's, but but some of them, yeah. They, they would have to be small, but whatever. I, I'd rather buy them. I mean, we're starting to know the refs' names more than the players' names today. You well, know? That is something we always we don't want that. We certainly don't want yeah, that. Yeah, may, maybe they need they need more refs on the field. You know, I, I've been telling you for how many years they need to be younger. I can't see all these refs in their 60s running up and down the field. I understand it's a hard, the hardest sport to officiate, but you know, they get a lot of plays right. They get all, but every play it could mean something. So something sure. has to be done. All right, I'm telling you, they're losing a lot of viewers. A lot of viewers. People just L- watch this. Luckily, There's we still no- got you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, but it's. I'm telling you, it's because of the gambling aspect. It becomes a fa- <laughs> fantasy football. No, you don't have those real fans anymore that just want to sit there and watch a game and, and watch the entire game. You know, now now half the people in the world, they watch the Red Zone channel and that's it because they just want to see what their players do. So it's a good sure. point. I don't sure. know. All right. Don't, well, we appreciate the insight. We'll take yes. it under consideration. And, uh, and yes. we'll, we love the text. Run out yes. of the flag. Keep the text Sending coming. Those. Keep the text coming. Yes. Get the, Dean, get, yeah. out of the, get me on a text chain with this guy. I want right. to yeah, get we'll the text, the, too. The, the, the text, you know, I'll try to slow down on, on the curse words and stuff if you use them more. Yeah, please. But please. No, 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 keep the, no, keep the curse words in there. We'll, we'll, like we'll add it as necessary. You should call in a yeah. Francesa show, too. I think you'd be a great guest for him. No, I can't stand him. Oh, God. <laughs> Another you know, regional guy. All right. just this. This sport is very frustrating to watch, and and it's unwatchable. That that's the biggest take on it. So you know, I don't know. And, and this game tonight, I, I was I don't know what I was making me fall asleep more waiting for you to call or this game because I, I don't know. You know, I guess Chicago just scored. I got to see how they scored. Yeah, touchdown they, pass or how the refs allowed them to score. All right, well we're 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 joining. This is the David Blandino podcast now. <laughs> All right, but I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, All bud. Right, sounds good. Bye. All right, later. Bye. All right, so that's my brother, and that's <laughs> that's he's opinionated. So we'll you'll be hearing from him more. Shit, my brother says. Let's uh, let's finish up. Let's do a quick brain of Blandino random thought, and then uh, and call it a show. All right, let's see what we got. Does my mom know who you are? Famous barometer. Okay, so yeah, so. I feel like there's, we always talk about different levels of celebrity and the way I judge like an A-list celebrity, if my mom knows who you are, you're an A-list celebrity. That's how I look at it. That's how I judge celebrity. And I feel like that's a good barometer for me. Like if my mom knows, you know, my mom knows, you know, Tom Brady. Your mom specifically. My mom specifically. Got it. 
and I feel like most moms are a good barometer of famous people. I'd agree. Right? Yeah. I think that that should be, if we're going to implement a rule, if my mom knows who you are, you are top, top of the food chain. Okay. Do an A-list. A-list. If my mom doesn't know who you are, you're not A-list. Warren Sapp always talked about it in the studio at NFL and about being grandma approved. Like when he got on Dance with the Stars, that's when he became grandma approved. Oh, yeah. And so it's like that. that's the other level when you can. Well, I always talk about like Strahan. Right. Like we, we always joke Michael comes into the studio and we, we, we go back and forth. But Strahan is like. He's great. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's great. He comes. You guys don't even know what to say. <laughs> that, but I'm, he's great. Right? He comes in with the cookies every week. He's amazing. But he's grandma approved. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. My mom knows who Michael Strahan mm-hmm. is. Right. My mom loves Michael Strahan. So my mom, there you go. There it is. I'm still trying to figure out how me and my brother are related. You guys don't sound alike either. No, he's got the, I mean, wow. he's in Long Island. That's Long Island. I, I spoke like that at one time, but I got out of Long Island early enough to where you only hear my accent certain words. Like Houston and humor. And humor and ball. (laughs) But anyway, all right, that's our show. This has been Good Calls with Dean Blandino. Please follow me on Twitter at Dean Blandino and on Instagram at Dean.Blandino. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Rules Podcast. And be sure to rate our podcast on the iHeartRadio app and on Apple Podcasts. Good Calls with Dean Blandino is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.